0: Welcome back to the TNT Podcast here on episode 11. Here today we bring you Usman Kamara. Usman Kamara is a 2015 Bishop McDevitt alumni. It's the Middletown Youth Club blood in him. Um, His senior year, Usman had 73 tackles, 8 sacks, 20 tackles for loss, 2 forced fumbles. During his senior year, he was an all-conference first-team selection and all-area honorable mention. He then went on to West Virginia University where he made an appearance in 43 games in 4 years where his freshman year he played in all 13 games where he had a critical block block punt against Oklahoma State. After Oklahoma State, he is now at Oregon, where he is now the director of player development for Oregon football. Welcome, Usan.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate it, Tate. Yes, sir. Um, it was great to hear from you, uh, and you wanted me to be on this podcast. Yes, sir.
0: Thank you for joining us. Um, I mean, we can get right into it. The, the first question... Um, it's going to take you back into your childhood a little bit, get you thinking. What inspires you to start playing football?
1: Um, I mean, really what inspired me was the people around me. You know, a lot of my family uh, didn't really play football. Uh, it was something I saw a lot of my friends doing, something that I picked up um, on the side, like at recess and things like that. And so I just asked my parents to plug me in, uh, get involved. And Joe Witters was my first, uh, was my first football coach. Uh, with the middle Middletown Youth Club and so uh, I wouldn't say everything has to do with Joe but everything started with with Joe Witter so yeah, that's what that's kind of what got me started uh, just the people around me uh, seeing seeing how followed football was and just how cool everybody thought it was or how cool I thought it was and so that's why that's really how I got started. When did you like start
0: playing and did you so you your safety at West Virginia, did you start out as a safety? Um, what position did you play when you started?
1: So when I played when I started football in general, you're saying? Yeah, like first year like playing like for the youth club. Yeah, so I played running back actually. I played running back and I think every skill player at one point in time they played somewhere on the on the line, whether that be an <laughs> offensive line or defensive line. And so I played running back and defensive line and then uh Throughout my youth club days, transitioned to to linebacker. Played a lot of running back as well. Still all throughout youth club, and then uh, when I got to high school, I played quarterback. And so my freshman year of high school, played quarterback, and then found my way back on the defensive end on the v- defensive. I was um, actually playing varsity quarter varsity quarterback and uh, and the end. And So, uh, but then, like you said, when I got to college, transitioned over to defensive back. Uh, when I transferred, actually, if I rewind a little bit, when I transferred from Middletown to McDevitt, I transitioned uh, to a linebacker role. Um, and so that's when I kind of moved from a linebacker to the hybrid safety linebacker position and predominantly played that linebacker, that safety, hybrid linebacker safety position and the two high safety positions in college. So, I know,
0: like, some kids, they get discouraged when you start out young playing offense and defensive line. I mean, everyone wants to be a good player. But mm-hmm. usually, like, some of the best linemen will be, like, the best running back safeties.
1: Did you get discouraged at all or? No, I mean, I used to really just of to, like, I played line on the defensive side of the ball. So, I used to try to uh, knock the center into the quarterback every time. Like, I thought <laughs> I made the most plays. Like, I wouldn't want to be, play DB back at that, that age because the, the action was really up front. Yeah. So, uh, I wanted all the action, and I wanted to make the plays. And so uh, I'm sure you can even ask your dad. There's been plenty of plays made of me hitting the, the center into the quarterback or me just trying to uh, create penetration from the from the defensive line and uh, and set the new line of scrimmage. But no, uh, I really wasn't discouraged. I just wanted to make all the plays. And then, Timmy, you can take us into the next
0: one. Yeah, so obviously, you know, a great career going to- – you know, going to play college, D1, you know, made a lot of plays. So what would you say is your most memorable moment in your career?
1: Memorable moment. Um, I mean, I'm a team guy, so I'm not going to talk about myself too, too much. But, like, the probably the win, the upset win in Austin 2018 against Texas, against the University of Texas. That's the game that Will Greer, uh, we actually scored a, a last-minute touchdown um, and then we went for two. And what a lot of people don't don't uh, realize or aren't aware of is the play that Will Greer ended up scampering on the side to the left side of the end zone. Uh, that was the second attempt at the two-point conversion. The first attempt was a completed slant by David Seals, but at the right before we stopped the ball, the head coach from Texas, um, I forget who it was back then, but um, he had called timeout. And so – Play was dead, but we ended up scoring. And so, play was dead. Go back to the to the huddle and drop this play, and we ended up winning. Um, we ended up winning that game. It was a nail biter, nail biter, down to the to the last second, really, in in Austin. In Austin. And uh, then we ended up having to kick it off, and there was probably about I want to say ten seconds left on the clock, and I ended up making the, the tackle on kickoff too, um, and my My most memorable moment.
0: I mean, yeah. Oh, you got it. Yeah, anytime you can go into Texas and and get a win, especially, I mean, I know that's probably a rival for West Virginia. I bet that was a surreal feeling.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like, especially just being close with all those guys. Like, 2018, probably my most memorable season. Uh, That was my sophomore season, my redshirt sophomore season. And uh, and we had a really good run, man. You know, you had guys like Will Greer, D- uh, David Sills, Gary Jennings. Gary Jennings is actually the one that caught that that fade ball uh, in the back of the end zone. Uh, they were probably on our own 45 or 40, I want to say. And Will chucked it to the back of the end zone, and he just came down with it.
0: So this can take us into West Virginia, um, a question that I always like to ask college athletes because – your college choice affects your next four years, next four to six years. So why West Virginia university for you?
1: Uh, really? It was just the family feel. Um, I really, when I made the decision to go to West Virginia, I wasn't thinking past college uh, to be honest, to be completely candid with you. Uh, I was just thinking about, well, who's what school or what program was going to give me the best uh, experience, you know, the best college experience, both on the field and both and off the field. And so, um, when I took my recruiting visit, uh, we played Mar- or West Virginia was playing Maryland, and Brad Paisley sang "Country Roads" on the fifty-yard line at halftime, and that kind of like sealed everything for me. Like when I when I heard the crowd singing "Country Roads," as corny as it sounds, um, I I saw I heard the cr- the crowd singing "Country Roads," and it just felt like home. Like the words say, "Country Roads, take me home." Like, I just felt like this is where I was supposed to be. Uh these are the type of people that I fit in with, you know, hard nosed blue collar working for everything that they got. Um and it was right down the road. I've heard a lot of great things about West Virginia University, the time that people have had there. A lot of people from Middletown went to West Virginia University. Uh, and so yeah, it was kind of a, a no brainer for me. And as well as uh kinda I kinda uh I'm sure it'll come up in the conversation a little bit, but I had an opportunity to bet on myself. And it seemed like the best opportunity for me.
0: Yeah. Um. Whenever you can bet on yourself, I, that's the whole entire confidence. Like even like today in this world with like younger athletes, you see guys that get lots of offers from eighth grade, ninth grade. Like you, you were a late late bloomer. You were trusting the process. Um. Yeah. So like, how what like how did that feel to then know that you're going to a high caliber Division one school?
1: Yeah, it felt really good, man. You know. All the hard work um, was going towards something, and my, one of the things my dad always told me is, "You put in all this hard work, you put in all this time. Why not shoot for the shoot for the stars, and you may end up in the clouds? Uh, don't shoot for for the bare." So, um, to to be quite frank with you, man, like I took the opportunity uh, that West Virginia had to offer it was a preferred walk on position. Um, I had opportunities to get my school paid for from schools in the P.S.A.C um but that was the common road road and i knew i didn't want a common life for myself and uh, i had expectations for myself and so um i just like like you said or like i said earlier is just bet on myself and see what this opportunity was like you know i believe that i could hang with the best of them that i could go and make my own impact on that program and leave my own legacy um but I just wanted to travel on the the road that was less discovered you know the 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 area that we grew up in in Middletown a lot of guys went to the PSAC or even Harrisburg in general a lot of guys Mm -hmm. go to the PSAC uh, um but not a lot of guys make it out you know you see the big name Micah Parsons now is kind of putting us on the map a little bit and you see more and more guys from central Pennsylvania being able to get an opportunity um I was I was uh grateful and I'm grateful to play with a great group of guys I was able to graduate with that pushed me and I saw that the looks that they were getting and I can compete with them and so those are my brothers those are the those are my that's my family and so uh, I knew that if I can compete with them and they were telling me that I can compete with them then I wanted to do whatever it took to um, put all the chips in and and bet on myself and and take that preferred walk-on position at at West Virginia University. Yeah, it, it ended up paying off. It ended up paying off in the long run.
0: Yeah, because you took that preferred walk on, and like you said, bet it on yourself, and then you got scholarship. Um, they gave you a scholarship if I'm not mistaken. Um,
1: yeah, that yeah just comes So with the hard
0: work that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, came in my freshman year, redshirted like a lot of like a lot of freshmen. Played on scout team, earned scout team player of the week a couple times. Uh, but always had the end goal in mind and that was scholarship that was being productive on the field that was proving a lot of the naysayers wrong and so uh, fast forward to after my redshirt freshman year or my yeah my redshirt freshman year so I redshirted my true freshman year played uh, in all 13 games as you said before my redshirt freshman year and then after that season I earned a scholarship and so uh, earned a scholarship going into that that spring, uh, after I earned that scholarship in January, going into that spring, I had really bad shin splints that ended up turning into uh, three stress fractures. Um, And so those those stress fractures, uh, one of them was called the dreaded black line stress fracture. And I had the possibility of my leg completely snapping. And so um, by the grace of God, that never happened, but we caught it in time and I ended up getting surgery to where I have a titanium rod and two screws in my leg. Yeah. Going one kind of close to my knee. Um and so that's just to keep everything in place, make sure nothing snaps and everything. Um fast forward played throughout that whole season. That's the 2018 season like I said most memorable for two reasons was the success, the camaraderie or I guess you could say three, the success, the camaraderie as well as this uh this adverse time in my life or in my career uh dealing dealing with the this leg pain and everything um didn't have the season that I wanted personally we had a great season as a team but personally didn't have the season that I wanted um and going to January uh Coach Holgerson and some of the staff members called me into his office and said that they were taking me off scholarship that I really didn't play up to the standard at which they thought I was going uh and two weeks later they left they went to Houston they're at the University of Houston right now that, that staff the core of that staff Dana Holgerson is, is the head coach there um Neil Brown comes in. He's the head, he was the former head coach at Troy. Comes in, talks to me, uh, sit down in his office. First week he gets there, tell him the whole situation, what I've been through, uh, what's going on um, with my life and my career, and he tells me he wants to earn wants me to earn the scholarship back. And so, uh, fast forward to the next fall, put in all the rehab, put in all the time, put in all the work. I'm off scholarship at this point. Like to remind you, from uh, January all the way through September. Uh, first game of the season come, I start. I play very well. Uh, we had this thing called we would break it down or a team meeting. Somebody would start the team meeting, you would clap. Everybody would stand up, clap. And the person that started the team meeting would put their fist up and everybody would sit down. Um, and so they chose me for this particular meeting right after that first game. And so when I clap and start the meeting, I put my fist up, everybody sits down, and there's a graphic behind me that said I was put back on scholarship and so everything everything came full circle man i finished at West Virginia with a undergrad degree in sport management up with an m b a degree got my master's paid for got got majority of my undergrad paid for so just taking taking that leap of faith and and betting on myself as well as the hard work that that I put in really everything came full circle
0: yeah you i mean wow like that's a great story like resilient 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 you didn't never gave up you never you see a lot of those guys they would have entered the transfer portal um when it got when times got hard but you just kept working through everything which is kind of like will take us into the next question so i mean you're at west virginia you get on scholarship you get off scholarship and then you're back on so like uh-huh. what do you believe is the key to success in football
1: really the key to success is being where your feet are and rolling with everything that comes to you you know there's no point there's no point in dwelling and your unfortunaces or your mishaps or what isn't going your way. You know, reality is reality and all you can do uh the situation that you're in. You can only control what you can control. And so I kinda just had to take every I could have blamed it on this on the surgeons for my surgery not going correctly or my rehab not going correctly. Uh I could have dwelled in all of that or I can I can blame the coaches for taking me off scholarship. Um but at the end of the day I'm still the one that has to pay this bill and those are or, and they're still making their money and they're still coaching this team and this team is going to continue to move on and win games and if I don't grab my own reality by the uh, by the horns and take control of my life, everybody else is going to just going to keep on going and so that's kind of like the reality that I had and um understanding that you can only control what you can control and you can only control what you have in your 24 hours a day. And so I just went, went to work, you know, doing what, what I do best. And I've always been known as a, as a hard worker, somebody that's going to get it out of the mud. And so uh, that's what I did. And it's going to take those times of hard work and resiliency, like you said, in college athletics, because nothing is easy. Even for the four stars, five stars, nothing is easy. There's always going to be that point in, in your uh, training, especially when you first get there. Is college football really for me because it's taxing. There's a lot, of, a lot of attacks on your body, a lot of physical uh, things that you're going through, mental things that you're going through, a lot of things that life is being thrown at you. Uh, mind you, there's a lot of things that go, home, go on at, in your home life as well. And so, but you always have to think about the, the end goal and what your reality is. And there's no point in dwelling in, in the situation that you're in, but how are you going to move past the situation to reach where you want to be, what success that you want to be at?
0: Yeah, yeah, man, man that, that's a great answer. You just hit on everything. Um, Timmy, what, I know you were going to say something, uh, so you can chime in as well. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, that's great stuff. So, like, moving on to the next question, you know, like, how big was the change from the practices, the workouts, just, like, everything from high school to college, you know? Like, what was that like?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, there's going to be a big change. There's a difference between playing high school football and then Power 5 Division One football. Um, but I would say the biggest thing – one physicality aspect of things, you know, you're going to be mandated to be in the weight room just because that's more of a protection for yourself. Because if you think about it, there's now, especially nowadays with the transfer portal and um, especially the COVID year, now you're you're 18 year old kids, sometimes 17 year old kids coming into college that are playing against 23, 24 year old guys. And so that's a big physical, physicality difference right there in that age. (laughs) And so, um, there was, there was a lot of change for me. My body had to develop. Um, I had to, like I said before, be where my feet are, understand the situation that I'm in, that I may want to be up, be out there with all the guys that are starting, but I'm physically not ready. And so trusting the process, trusting my teach- my, trusting that they yeah. had the, my best interest at heart uh, to, to be successful. Um, but it was a lot of extra work that had to be put in just to make up for the time that I was in high school while these guys are sitting here training. And so, um, the practices as well. And the day to day schedule, you know, you're always going to be required to be somewhere and you're going to be required to be on time and everything is, uh, is account. You're accountable. There's a checker at all your classes. There's a checker weighing you in at your, at your workout to make sure that you are there. Uh, there's a checker to make sure everybody is. Um, and so just being accountable, that was the biggest thing. You know, in high school, it's easy to just slip through the cracks and maybe climb and then not do whatever you want another time. But in college, everything is under a microscope and every there's somebody in charge of you. It, and it's probably him in charge of five people. And so it's a smaller group. And so um, there's a physical change, mental mental change, and then just the day-to-day schedule change. Um, just to speak, to speak to the mental the mental change, you know, uh, I played safety. And so there's a lot of cerebral uh, aspects that come with that game and knowing the the breakdown of everything and knowing what other people are supposed to do. And so, like I said about that hard, that hard work and that extra work that needs to be put in as well as in the weight room as well. It has to be put in the film room and meeting with coaches, meeting with, with graduate assistants, meeting with analysts to make sure that I have the playbook down because as much as I want to be physically gifted and physically prepared and developed, if I'm not mentally, it don't, it, that really is not, for nothing because I'm never going to stop foot on that field. You know, It's not BS when they say this game is 80%. Some say 90% mental and 20 or 10% physical. You know, Everything is between the ears. And if you don't know what you're doing uh, between those white lines there, you're definitely not going to be out there because these coaches, yeah, they make a lot of money but there's a lot of, a lot riding on that and that's their livelihood so they're not going to put a 18 year old kid out there if he doesn't know what he's what he's supposed to do
0: yeah i mean you hit on everything and you run into like the the next question we had for you because as a safety you're you're the quarterback of the defense and especially when you get to college um like when you're growing up you know people say um if you don't want to be there, just show up. But when you get into college football, if you just show up, you're, you're not going to last. So, no. like, um, I know you hit on, like, pretty much a lot of things, but what were some of, like, the developments that you went through as a being a safety um, for West Virginia?
1: Yeah, I had to learn my learning style. You know, a lot of people think that football players are just dumb jocks out here running around, but it takes a lot of intellectual ability to be good at this game. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen Netflix little series that they put out just now about the quarterbacks and uh, Patrick Mahomes and yeah. uh, and all that. And so as you can see it just from a little glimpse of that, there's a lot of cerebral and there's a lot of intellectuality that, that takes place in, in football. So I had to learn my the way that I learn, you know, uh, and so I'm a very visual learner and I have to go out and interact and and, and hear things and do things to learn it and to get it. And so repetition is key. And there will be times, like nine o'clock at night, I'm with one of my buddies, and we have to go to the indoor practice facility, set up trash cans with formations, and um, and just go through go through our playbook. You know, in college, like I said, it's very very uh, finite, and so um, things can change. The whole coverage can change based off of the type of motion that we get. And so just that minuscule, like that much attention to detail. And that just is an example of what it takes to be great. You know, you might have three by one uh, that switches to two by two, but because it's fast motion and not orbit motion, we're changing from cover four to cover six, or we're changing from cover eight to cover nine, uh, or we're going from a zone coverage to a man coverage. And so uh, everything is between the ears, like I said before, and it takes a lot of trust for coaches to put you out there on that field. uh, Because one of the things I live by, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. If a coach can't can't uh, expect you or uh, can't depend on you to show up to your 3 o'clock tutoring, how is he going to expect you to be able to check and make sure that we're in the right defense on third and four? And that's and that's going to cost us the game. Again, like I said, these guys make a lot of money, but this is their livelihood. And so um, you have to be in tune. You know, you have to be in tune and you have to go the extra mile to learn the defense. Um, and a lot of guys get frustrated. A lot of guys get frustrated and say that the coaches got way too much in. Um, but I don't know how, how in-depth you guys are with offensive playbooks nowadays. Those things are ridiculous and they will beat you. And so now defensive coordinators have to go to the have to go to the uh to the chalkboard and they have to figure out how are we about to stop these these offenses. And so um there's a lot of things that are that are thrown in and it can be frustrating, but what's the sense of focusing on this coach has way too much in. Like, I'm a freshman that I can't do this. That how's he pro- expect me to process this and play fast at the same time? What's the sense in dwelling and all that when you can put the same effort into actually trying to learn it? And so, like I said, there's just a lot of different things that people can do. Spend a lot more time in film. Uh, get on the field like I did. You know, some some of my guys did uh, late at night. But you do what you got to do to make to make sure you're successful.
0: Yeah, I mean, you hit on it. Pretty uh, like er- great advice for uh, for uh, guys going into college if they're listening to this. Um, you you had a good career at West Virginia, um, then you ended up at Oregon. So you're the director of player development there now. So kind of give like an explanation of like what that is and what you do.
1: Yeah, so I mean, really that anything that has to do with our players internally within our organization, externally uh, from the university side, from the community. Uh, we're in Lane County here, so. Uh, here in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, but really anything that has to do with our players comes through my department uh, from housing, stipend checks, enrollment, uh, academics, making sure these guys are there on time, making sure they're where they're supposed to be acting a certain way. Uh, anything external from law enforcement comes through comes through my department I have to take care of. Um, I already said I said housing, um, a lot of play, personal development, character development, uh, professional development, both from the football lens as well as corporate America, you know, trying to help these guys find careers and how to navigate that space. You know, networking is huge, uh, and one of the biggest things that we do is community service. And so, all the community service uh, initiatives that we do are led by my team and I, and uh, we make sure that these guys are are given out to to the community. Because I mean, your your life isn't always the isn't always measured upon what you do for yourself, but what you do for others. And we have a great fan base here at, at the University of Oregon here in Eugene. And we want they give a lot to us, um, both monetarily, support, love. And so we want to do as much as we can to give back to them. Um, but like I said, it, it's kind of hard to uh, explain everything. But really, like the best way to explain it, everything that has to do with our players comes to me from where there would be a liaison externally, internally, with all of our support staff, with all of our coaching staff, Um, mentorship is huge you know Uh, me and the assistant director of player development his name is Carl Holmes he played receiver at uh, Arizona State Uh, he actually played for Dan Lanning when Dan Lanning was a GA and so um, we kind of like laugh with the guys like like we're like looked at as the uncles or the or the older (laughs) brothers of the program yeah and so um, I'm 25 years old I'm not too far too far removed from the game it's gonna be my third season not picking up a football but um, but it's it's a big responsibility. But I take I take a lot of pride in it, and uh, I tell people that I'm living 120 different lives. You know, we got 120 guys on the team, and it's my job to know them in and out, in and out as well as help them navigate this this time in their life. Because uh, I mean, take you're in college now. You know, a lot of decisions are being thrown at you that are going to set set the the track for, for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so um, just try to help them, you know, be that aide, be that, that guy that they can come to, not just about football stuff or where they're supposed to be at this time. But, hey, how do I like, how do I analyze this situation? Like, what should I do in this situation? Or how do I get in front of the right person so that I'm successful down the line? Or how do I network? How do I fill out? And how do I fill out a, a resume or how do I um, really how do I do public speaking? You know we just had a a workshop for about media training and and interview training. you know what like we all know an athlete that has either killed his career been cancelled or has at least hindered his career based off of a bad interview and so uh we just try to develop these guys as a man as well as the football player as the professional um in all aspects you know interviewing and being in the media is huge, branding is huge, and so we provide. Uh, player development provides programming and education on, on that type of stuff. Um, but again, it's, I'm very long winded on that answer, but like everything that has to do with, with our players right now, as well as what their program or development is like for the future, that all goes through my department and, and I'm in charge of that. And I work very, very closely with our head coach to make sure he knows what, what the te- what the temperament of the team is and his initiatives or his goals for our guys are being met Um and and he he allows me to do my job. Well,
0: it's just they have a great guy to fall back to, talk to, ask for advice. Um, it's like and then, and the other thing that I have. So you you started out as an assistant at West Virginia. Once you were done, yeah. So was the job open, and you applied? Did they reach out to you? Like how did how did that kind of work? If you can get into that.
1: So I was done playing uh, December twenty twenty. Um, I was in the middle of my of my master's of my MBA. And so I was a graduate assistant in our fifth quarter program at West Virginia, which is basically life after football programming or um, those types of resources. And so once I I did that to finish to stay on scholarship to get my um, and to get some some experience, really, just because, you know, being a student athlete, you don't really get too much experience uh, in internships and stuff like that, because you're always doing ball or school. Um, and so I was the I was GA in the fifth quarter program from January to May. And then from May all the way up to December, I was the assistant director of player development. And then from and that's of 2021. And then in January of 2022, 20, I became the uh, the director of player devel- or the associate director of player development at West Virginia. Uh, and I was that all the way up into December of 2022. Uh, in January of 2023, uh, I got the call from Dan Lanning, uh, really, or kind of, uh, yeah, like I got the call from Dan Lanning. Um, they just saw what we were doing at West Virginia. They wanted to enhance what they were doing here at the University of Oregon. They had a guy in this position, a couple a couple uh, people in this position, but ultimately they wanted to be coaches. And so uh, they are looking for somebody that wanted to do player development, that wanted to be off the field. And uh, had a had a knack for this as well as drive and, and pride in doing this, and so uh, a lot of the things that we were doing from as well as initiatives and and all that at West Virginia is what what he wanted to bring here at uh, at Oregon, and so um, they called me. I actually, did the interview. I was at a conference. I did the interview in my hotel room. Uh, called me back that night, uh, offered me the job. Said I wanted to come out here and see it and everything. Took a trip out here that following weekend. And fell in love with the place and I've and I've been here since January twenty seventh. That was my first day, I wanna say.
0: Well, well they can definitely like from hearing you talk, we know you definitely love your job. So you were talking about the other um the um, assistant and director, they wanted to be coaches. So do you look to get into coaching or do you like do you look to stay in this kind of aspect with like the player development and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, so I really don't don't wanna I don't see my my path or my development of the student athlete being on the field, uh, because ultimately that's what all of these positions are encompassed to be, you know, to develop these student-athletes and provide the best college experience that that we can uh, as an athletic department. But um, my goals and aspirations is to be a chief of staff. And so I want to be the head coach's number two, right-hand guy, make sure everything is running smoothly from the player's perspective as well as employees' perspective, coaches, all of that, support staff, and just make sure that the culture is being set and and everything is good uh in-house and externally. Um I wanna make sure I kinda have a knack for the game, obviously playing playing for a numerous amount of years, as well as the business side and the organization side and making sure that everything is is running ebb and flow. Um, and so that's kinda that's kind of what I wanna do, whether that be in college or or the NFL, um, uh, you know. It's not always about what you know, but but who knows you. And so I I believe that if I continue to do work, and I I, I can't express it enough, you know, being where your feet are, do great where wherever you are, and and things will work itself out. You know, people will know your goals and aspirations, and people are always looking back, looking to uh, bring the next uh, bright mind up. And so uh, as long as I continue to handle my business where I'm at with the business that I'm at, uh, I believe that I'll continue to rise and continue to be successful in the sports industry
0: yeah so this is like i mean i'm I'm thinking of questions on the spot I, you grew uh like you we grow up always watching like the west virginia's the texas the oklahoma's the alabama those right. power five schools. so like what was it like for you knowing that you're going up to that like each week each week in and out like did you get caught up in the moment like th- for me that would be challenging if i was in your footsteps to like to look past it, but not look past it. Like, how is that feeling? Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a it's a it's a thin line that you have to that you have to tread because um, you want to be grateful and take everything in, but you also don't want to be uh, overwhelmed by everything to where you can't be productive and you can't perform. Um, and as well as you don't want to take it too lightly to where you're not grateful, or you're not uh, you're not taking everything in. Um, you know, playing Texas—I uh, forget what their what their stadium's name is—but playing at Texas, playing at Oklahoma, playing at Baylor—you know, playing at the old Cotton Bowl—all those yeah. moments, all those moments are surreal. Um, but you just got—I mean, the main goal is the main goal, and that's the win. And once you get to that that stage, honestly, it just becomes it—it it becomes really easy to become complacent and just see it as the norm. Uh, I mean, you're getting stuff paid for. You're getting, like as far as food, like you're taking trips. You're you're flying uh, charter. You don't have to go through security on a plane. You're you're pulling up to the tarmac itself, just hopping on the plane. So a lot of this stuff can is great, and it is very surreal, and it's a great opportunity or a great experience. Um, but once you're in it, it just it kind of becomes the norm. And genuineness to yourself, and not be cocky. Um, but it, it can be very, very hard just because it's not common, you know. Yeah. Um, but you just gotta stay in the moment, stay know what you're there for, and you kind of have this chip on your shoulder, like you're a baller, and you know you're a baller, um, and you just gotta you gotta be that. But as well as be uh, a humble person, and so like I said, it's a very, very thin line that you have to tread. But it's very, it's very, um, very important that that you do that because you don't want to be a cocky guy you want to be humble and you also don't want to be a guy that the lights are too big the moment got too big for you
0: yeah so i mean this has been a great interview we're rounding out we still got a couple more questions for you um another one that i have um lots of young athletes today they um see guys are getting recruited heavily out of the 717 area pennsylvania so what are some of advice that you have to these young athletes
1: yeah, um, I actually just talked to McDevitt's team the other day when I stopped by practice uh, when I was in town, and I just told him to keep the main thing the main thing. You know, it's a lot harder to get recruited off a team that recruited off of a team that's not winning, and there's a reason why guys that win the national championship or people that win the national championship get selected higher in the draft. The more guys are getting selected higher in the draft from that team. Is because they have a winning mentality, a winning culture, and they know what winning looks like. And obviously, everybody has the intangibles and everything, but uh, winning is the most important. And so, be a team player. Make sure that your team is winning. Uh, work hard. All the all the work that you're putting in, in the off season is going to um, have the re- you're going to have those results in the season. You know, winning isn't. I told them winning isn't just some magical potion or uh, some spell that you can cast. You know, the work that you put in is going to Reflect what you get out of it, and so if you want a championship at the end of the year, you have to put in championship work championship effort uh, when the lights are off and so uh, just be where your feet are I can't like I said earlier in the podcast like when I say be where your feet are, be in the present moment you know um, don't think about don't think too far in the future obviously you have goals and everything um, but if you don't accomplish what's right here in front of you, you're not going to be able to meet reach those goals at all. It's not even going to be in in your in your viewpoint. You know, you're not even going to reach that that point. So accomplish everything that you have to accomplish right there, right right there in front of you, and continue to top wood. Continue to work every single day to one day meet those goals. Then what you have and goals change. You know, as you get closer to accomplishing another goal, there another goal is going to be set. And so always working towards that um, and have fun with it. You know, if you're not having fun with it, you're just you're going to be miserable. And so the moment that you stop having fun with it, you probably should just you probably should. Find- I mean, um, I don't mean just give up on something, but if the, if you don't have any joy, if it doesn't, if it's not really bringing you joy, ultimately, obviously there's going to be those good times and bad times, but ultimately all in all, it's not bringing you joy. You're probably doing the wrong thing. And so, um, just be where your feet are, work every day and, uh um, I think everything else will take everything will take care of itself, you know. Yeah. College especially college football, like we have the resources. We have people that are doing research on the top, latest guys that are uh hitting the charts or that are making plays in their area. So you will be found. You will be found. Um have the right people around you win and, and you will and you will make it. You'll get an opportunity. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah, so uh which coach in your life would you say had the you know the biggest impact on you the most major impact.
1: Ooh, I mean that's a that's a tough one. Uh and if I don't say uh coach TR Tate's going to end the podcast. <laughs> nah, uh, you're good. Uh, I mean he's definitely up there. He's definitely up there, but I've had I've I've been blessed to have a lot of influential great influential especially men and female uh people in my life and so um I really, I really don't know. I mean, a guy that comes, uh, comes to my mind every time I think about the coach is Lance Chisholm, uh, the late Lance Chisholm. He passed away a, a few years ago. Um, he was an all-time great at Steel High. When he coached us at at Middletown, uh, played for the Packers. at once upon a time, um, this guy he just showed me what real work was, and so I thought I was working until I was going into that sophomore season I and mean, he got a hold of me between my, shoot, no, no. When I was coming into my freshman year of high school, uh, me and Kayla Legor, we used to work out, uh, with the, with the older guys and Chiz just kind of took us under his wing and would do extra trainings with us. Like take us, take us out to CrossFit, do, do workouts, do workouts on the side. Um, but he kind of showed me the model of what work looked like, um, Sadly, I I I, uh, I tried transferred and we had a new coaching staff came in and everything like that. But and we I wasn't really able to uphold my relationship with him as much as I would have wanted to. Uh, but he was definitely one of the coaches that that showed me the love for this game and showed me how to do it the right way, uh, as as far as like work ethic and training. Um, and so. Like I said, I've, I've had a lot, a lot of great coaches, you know, TR being one of them, Joe Witters, like I said, the original guy, um, you know, Mike Fox, uh, Jeff Wechter, you know, Jim Lawner, trainers, you know, Dave Brixi is trainer, um, Mike Joseph in college, you know, Macapone in college, uh, so many, so many great coaches, uh, and even People that weren't directly my coach were great coaches for me, just being around them and learning from them, learning from their mistakes or what they've done great. And so uh, it's hard to pin, pinpoint out one coach, but there's those a lot of great guys in my life.
0: Yeah, I know that that can be a tricky one. Growing up, you, you go through so many coaches, so many great coaches. Um, but thanks for you to hit on that. And then our, our last question that we got, it's by, by far my favorite one. We get to learn a little more about you. Um who is your biggest role model and why?
1: Yeah, my biggest role model has to be my dad. Uh, when I talked about showing me the work, when Lance Chisholm showed me the work uh, from a football standpoint, like my dad showed me the work from a life standpoint. And I mean, being from Sierra Leone, West Africa, third world country, not having anything to come into the United States, paying and paying his way through college, ended up uh, later in his life getting a master's degree, working. 14 hour days just to provide a great um, childhood for me and my sister, and providing for my family, as well as being active in his church, um, a role model for other people. You know, how many times I've been in the store and people have come up to him and thanking him for what he's poured into their life. Um, and then, as well as just following your dreams and betting on yourself. I mean, he owns his own nonprofit organization now, um, Sierra Leone Mission and Develop- Development, and just just to see the joy that he brings other people and the selflessness that he lives with every day. Uh, that's an example for me in my life and what I want to provide for my family, as well as the goal to continue on his legacy and um, the business that he has going on in Sierra Leone, as well as the impact that he's made here in the States uh, in our, in our area of central Pennsylvania, um, as well as Maryland and, and we're in DC and all that area. But uh, really just to continue on his legacy and, um, that's, why, that's why he's my biggest role model because he, he showed me the blueprint on how to carry yourself, uh, mannerisms, work ethic, how to communicate, and all, all in all just to be a great leader.
0: Yeah, uh, your family's great. I know my family loves your family, uh, your mom, dad, your sister, and then you, you. You guys round up. You guys make a good group, great people in this world. Thank you for coming on for episode 11. Um, it was a pleasure sure, having man. you. I know you have a very busy schedule. Keep doing great things. And for everyone else listening out there, don't forget to like and share. And that's everything. Peace.